You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. We love reviews of our show on your favorite podcasting software. This is a great way for you to help others to find our program. Since we started our show in 2009, we've reached over 180,000 listeners with our various podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guests' websites whose CEOs have been guests on the radio show, and their company has placed the interview on their website. So if you would be so kind as to write a short review, we would appreciate it. As I said before the break, Leo is our guest. Leo Batari is our guest. He wrote the book, The Power of Peers. Leo, welcome to the show. Rick, thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. You're welcome. The subtitle is How How the Company You Keep Drives Leadership, Growth, and Success. So before we get into talking about the content of the book, I wonder, Leo, if you might Tell us a little bit about your counseling and your strategic communications experience, you know. Set context for you as a leader in this industry. Sure. Um, Actually, you know, started out back with a public company, with the Stop and Shop companies. It was a diversified retail company uh, back in the mid to late 80s where I wrote speeches for the CEO and company president, but I was also one who... Uh, wrote profiles for new markets we were entering. So I had one of those unique jobs where I spent a whole lot of time thinking about the company at the 30,000-foot level and probably spent more time on the ground with real customers and employees and all (laughs) than most folks did at corporate. So it's certainly something that I've tried to bring with me uh, to every job I've taken since. But I've largely worked on both the agency and the client sides of the business, everything from being at a large multinational uh, firm like Hill & Knowlton, where I worked with uh, you know, companies like Disney, to owning my own firm for five years, Batarian Partners Public Relations in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, you know, it was just all in all just a great experience, and uh, I've loved what I do. Um, and back in 2008, I finally completed, went to back from my master's, which was a thing that was a long time uh, coming, and uh, got it in strategic communication and leadership and, you know, continued to pursue that, you know, through my doctoral work actually at Northeastern University now, and it's just been a nice, you know, bringing together of the um, work in the in the business world and the academic work now. And, of course, being at Vistage, it's just such a, you know, great at least vantage point to be able to see what, uh, you know, everyone is doing in this field with regard to CEO groups and groups for key executives. Leo Batari is our guest. We're, we're focusing on his book, The Power of Peers, How the Company You Keep Drives Leadership, Growth, and Success. So I learned something about you. I didn't realize that you were a business owner yourself. So you, you really understand firsthand then the kind of uh, value that peer influence and peer learning can have on a business owner. So Tell me about the inspiration for writing this book, The Power of Peers, Leo. You know, I, I felt like these groups work really, really well. Um, and yet, in most cases, when leaders are thinking about uh, developing, they're looking at you know, executive development programs at Harvard or Stanford, or they're reading books or hiring cons- coaches and consultants. And, you know, I felt like in the scheme of things, the, as far as the consideration set goes, the idea of joining a group of peers to realize that who you surround yourself with matters and that peers can help one another in ways that you really can't find anywhere else. 
I just really wanted to, you know, add, you know, to the work that people like, you know, you and Keith Ferrazzi and Bill George and others over the years have done to try to, uh, you know, shine a light on how powerful uh, these groups can be so that more people will consider you know, joining a group or starting their own or whatever really works best for them, I think, is ultimately the, you know, action item we hope comes out of it for people. I'm talking with Leo Batari, and we're talking about his book, The Power of Pierce, on Critical Mass Radio Show. Jim Rome said, you are the average of the five people you spend your most time with. And I thought of that um, as I was reading your book. I obviously believe in the power of peer learning and influence as well. Uh, and um, y- you, you and your co-author, Leon Shapiro, have done a great job in really depersonalizing, right? Not creating a, a book that is specific to any one delivery service, but right. to the to the larger power that I think is a it, it it's it's a foundational power, frankly, and that is peer influence and peer learning. You know, I I know that you've you've spoken about, and I agree with you that you know peer influence is it's innate. It's why our parents were sensitive to sort of the peer group that we hung around with. So um, you you see firsthand how people can raise their game by the the peers that they surround themselves with. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the peer influence in a complex world. You know, kind of your your book has three major parts to it. Loved all of them. So let's kind of take them one at a time and let's kind of start with peer influence. Can you can you define and describe that from your research and your perspective? Sure. Uh, one of the things I think, and to your point, is we wanted to connect this idea that peer influence is something that we're all very familiar with. It not only makes sense intuitively, but we've experienced it for as long as we can remember. So I think connecting people and connecting the reader with things that they've experienced uh, in their lives you know, starts to help in this sense-making exercise of what um, you know, peer influence is all about. And, and then what we do is we get into this idea of, well, how do we go about engaging our peers? And we thought maybe we could put them you know, in categories. And so we talk about connecting. You know, we reach out to people through LinkedIn or with social business events and all, where we make connections, we extend our reach, we even, you know, rely on people for information, like if I'm going to buy a car or read a book or, you know, interested in, you know, where, uh, you know, someone should go to college, I'm going to check and see what other people, peers like me who are interested in that subject, uh, who've experienced you know, driving that car, reading that book, going to that school, I want to know what they think. And I think, you know, particularly in a world where if you, uh, I think Edelman Trust Barometer now again has come out with its numbers in 2016, which show that really trust among major institutions is really, those numbers are about as low mm-hmm. as they've been. And that's government, business, media, and NGOs. So I think people, you know, in that world, Realize that they have to rely on on one another, and even though they don't know any of the people who are writing these reviews, they will trust the prevailing sentiment as a profound data point there. Uh, then, of course, we talk about networking, um, which is we regard as much more selective and purposeful. The idea that I'm going to seek out a particular individual who can help me, maybe get financing or a partner, you know, for my business or or even a job, or know someone who knows something to help me achieve something to that end. And these tend to be individual pursuits in the way we engage peers. Then we move to group experiences where we talk about optimizing. You know, the idea when you look at, you know, a great sports team, or you look at the Blue Angels, or you look at, 
any host of examples, whether it's you know from no matter what walk of life, when you get a group of people who come together uh, toward a common goal, who chase perfection in the pursuit of excellence to do something really, really well. We talk about that in terms of optimizing. And then finally, of course, we get into this notion of accelerate. And it's what we define as what top business leaders, whether they are CEOs or key executives, do when they step outside of their company and outside of their industry sector you know, to get a broader uh, view and uh, to get you know, real input and opinions and, and thoughts from, you know, other leaders like themselves. And uh, so we, we kind of, I think, create that framework for people to get a sense of, you know, how we engage our peers with the idea that, you know, oftentimes peer influence is something that goes on in our lives and we don't give it a second thought. So the point is kind of imagine if we gave it a second thought. What would it look like if we were more selective, strategic, and structured about how we engage our peers. And that's really kind of what brings us into part two is when it comes to being part of a peer group and suggesting, for example, that it isn't just about people coming together. And I think I know you point this out in your book as well. There's more to that. <laughs> so we frame it in terms of the five factors necessary uh, for the group to really fire on all cylinders and operate really well. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that move from influence to advantage, peer, peer influence to peer advantage in a, in a minute, Leo. I, I, I'm talking with Leo Batari. We're talking about his book, The Power of Peers, How the Company You Keep Drives Leadership Growth and Success. Uh, I, I heard a talk yesterday by a professor who's done extensive re research on millennials in the workforce, and one of the small points that he made, but I took away as a powerful one, is that millennials are the first generation in the workforce who don't look to experts and authority figures for knowledge. They've figured out how to attract and obtain their own knowledge. Many times it's collaboratively from, from their peer network, but it's also based on technology enabling their ability to find this information. Um, and And I thought that really speaks to, I think, the pa the fact that peer influence and peer advantage could really help the next generation in how they lead and grow businesses different than maybe the previous generations like the baby boomers, which were somewhat more uh, individualistic in their approach to business. Are, are you in your research finding anything that's uh, similar to, to what I just said, or, is, or am I off base a little bit? In your no, not at all. In fact, it's very consistent, but uh, the only thing I would add is that what we found time and time again also is that millennials also crave the kind of face-to-face -face interaction that people uh, you know, might have thought was, was something of yesterday versus something that's tomorrow. And it's actually just the opposite, largely because we have such a technology-enabled world where people's relationships, interactions take place over technology. The idea that people can come together and be in a room face-to-face uh, and, -face and, and really be able to experience uh, one another as peers in that environment uh, is something that, uh, you know, is just as popular, if not more, you know, among millennials. They're already natural networkers. We know that. Uh, what's, what's good to hear is that they, in addition to the electronic interaction, the face-to-face -face, uh, interaction is very important and very powerful for them as well. We're going to take a short break here on Critical Mass Radio Show podcast. Uh, when we come back, I I'm going to ask Leo to take us from peer influence to the power of peer advantage. And so don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a, a great conversation, great IP from Leo and Stay tuned, because we'll be right back after these words. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. 
Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. A great way to stay informed about our guest, like Leo, is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. At the bottom of every page, every page, I tell you, is a join our mailing list list box. Simply type your email address and hit subscribe and you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter with its information about our upcoming guests and special insights from me. Our guest, Leo Batari, is here to talk about the power of peers, how the company you keep drives leadership, growth, and success. And, and I said before the break, Leo, I, I wanted you to spend some time in this segment helping our audience to understand, and our audience tends to be CEOs and business owners of companies ranging from several million dollars to about a hundred million across North America. Um, what are the five factors for peer advantage? And, and my engineer asked you if you wouldn't mind speaking up just slightly. Oh, sure. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to frame the five factors as we have is because I think when you talk about peer groups and what they can do, I think because these kinds of environments don't typically exist anywhere else in people's <laughs> lives, they want to know how do you make that possible. So this is really kind of the how in many respects in part two. And we talk about the value of surrounding yourself first with the right people. You know, depending on your goals, who are the people that you can list you know, enlist in, in, in support of you achieving those goals. So if you were going to run a marathon, for example, you'd probably want to surround yourself with people who uh, want to do the same thing or have done the same thing so you can get their encouragement, get their training tips that you can share among one another, hold each other accountable. You did your runs that day and all. Most people who run a marathon will tell you it's not the race, it's the 18 weeks of training that's the tough part. So being having a group to support that effort is really helpful. And whether you're going, trying to run a race or run a company, it's really very much you know the, the same dynamic involved. But you know, in addition to that, uh, and you know, I know you've spoken to this as well, and, and know this quite well. The idea of having a safe haven, as I know you put it, a safe environment where it's both safe, free from judgment, you know, in the in the room, but also that people understand that what happens in the room stays in the room. The confidentiality is sacrosanct, and that's a very important part of that. That way, people can have real conversations. They can be truly vulnerable. They can. It's that one place where you can say, "Hey, I'm uncertain about this, or I'm a little afraid of this, quite frankly." And how can I work through that? And you're among peers who know what it's like to sit in the CEO's chair or a key executive's chair, and can really help you through uh, an issue. Uh, third, of course, is you know just this idea of having good leadership. Now. In our book, we don't necessarily come down on whether it's professionally facilitated or not, but as we looked at all of the different models, everything from professionally facilitated to rotating member-led groups, uh, we regard the responsibilities as largely the same. Uh, and it's really 
you know, to be the steward of the other four factors, number one, and to make sure that they're getting the very most out of that group. It's like that coach who just wants to get the very best and the most, you know, out of the team. Fourth becomes fostering valuable interaction. Creating emotional safety is one real key and one important step. Step, but intellectually, people also have to believe that there's a process for getting to the heart of the matter that is actionable. So that tends to be a wonderful balance when you can get that emotional safety and uh, that intellectual confidence in the process uh, for conversation that's uh, very valuable. And then finally, both members and leaders of groups and <laughs> everyone across the board always regarded this idea of peer-to-peer -peer accountability as essential and, and really the, the a foundational piece that makes it all work really, really well. But I do think it's an ensemble. I think all five factors are important. I don't think you take one away and make it work. So that's why we talked about them uh, in precisely that way. And I think it, it is a um, – I enjoyed the entire book. I really enjoyed the five factors for peer advantage in that it, it, it can be in some ways a how-to guide for – individuals and for groups that may want to create their own peer advantage this is i think a collection of best practices as well so i i recommend it highly for not only professionals in the industry but also for individuals and ceos and business owners who want to take advantage of not just peer influence but to take take it down a level or up a level i guess the peer advantage this part of the book uh, is is kind of as i said a collection of best practices um one one of the things that i found really valuable is the way you explain the different issue processing capabilities that that can be in a facilitated and a, and a you know in a, in a peer group so um, maybe you could just spend a minute and and help our audience because i think that's uh, one of the key powers of peer advantage is getting at really great advice in a way that is um is valuable for not only the giver of the advice but the receiver Sure. Uh, and, and, you know, people kind of go about it in different ways. At the end of the day, what tends to happen is, you know, you'll, you'll have a member who will bring forward either you know, a promising opportunity or a difficult challenge they have to face. And they will ask a question of the group, you know, which asks of them, you know, how can, how can I do such and such? And the group uh, will be asked for assistance in that regard. One of the fascinating parts about issue processing is one of clarifying questions. And this idea that um, the, the more people gain about what's behind the question, the more people sometimes realize that maybe the question you're asking is a symptom of the issue, not necessarily the core problem, exactly. uh, which is a, a wonderful exercise to go through. But again, this can happen among the broader group, or sometimes um, there are questions asked, and then you know people break into smaller groups, and they break into triads, for example, and they have their own conversations, and they bring some of their thoughts and findings to the larger group. Again, I think depending on who's leading the group, who's in the group, what the issues are about and how it can all work, you are saying, what is the best use of this team in order to help this member in this moment in time? And, you know, I think good leadership there, the idea of that smart guide, that guidance uh, is, is extremely important and, um, you know, helps really foster that kind of valuable interaction that not only provides people with the insights that can help them in terms of the decision-making, um, but also the courage to act. You know, this idea that maybe I didn't have a question, maybe I actually had a solution I were bringing to the group. Maybe I was going there to get my answer questioned versus the other way around. <laughs> Once I get that 
pressure tested by that group. Boy, I leave that meeting now with a whole new level of confidence about moving forward, and I think that's one of the real values of, of these groups as well. Well, uh, like you, I um, I ran an organization in in a prior life, and I benefited from peer influence and peer advantage because I was in a in a peer group, and I saw how it did exactly one of the many things it did for me was what you just said. It allowed me to come back with more conviction that we were on the right track and the lead with more confidence, which um, I don't know how you put an ROI on that, but it, I know it's real and it benefited me in my role as the president of and general manager of an operating division. So uh, you, uh, I loved reading your book. I was excited when I saw that it came out. I'm really excited with the work that you've done since it's since the book has come out to help raise awareness i i wanted to ask you as an industry thought leader um why do you think there aren't more people in either self-facilitated or professionally facilitated peer groups here in north america or around the world yeah it's a, it's a really great question i think people are looking for ways um that they can develop i think uh, sometimes the idea of seeking help from others is still kind of one of those things we grow up, you know, regardless of culture sometimes on believing that we can and should do this ourselves and if we, ourselves and if we have to ask for help that's somehow weakness. Mm. Uh a little bit of what we talk about in the book with with kind of the caveman mentality in that right. way. I think once we kind of realize that, you know, as Brene Brown and so many others have said that asking for help is is a sign of strength, not weakness. And I think we're, that paradigm is shifting. I think that's one big reason. And I think the other is the perception a little bit of even when people find out about these peer groups, they start thinking about, wow, you know, a whole day, a month, you know, that seems like a lot of time. It isn't so much the money or the or being convinced that uh, this could be helpful to them, but they believe, for example, that, boy, one day a month being away from my company is just too much. And I guess I would suggest, based on, on what we've learned, that if you believe your company can't live without you for one day a month, you probably need a group as much as anyone. And and th they are helpful in that way, and in large part because when you're around other CEOs, you know, there's all these books about leadership out there, but very few that really talk about what am I supposed to do, you know, as a CEO? What, you know, what does that look like? What's that all about? And you know, we mentioned like in the story about Jay Steinfeld that when you get yourself in that position where you're being chief everything officer as opposed to the chief executive officer, it becomes very, very different to scale your organization. Mm -hmm. But when you start getting around other CEOs and you can get a real feel and, and kind of level set, hey, what should I be working ver doing versus delegating to this very talented staff I have here um, so that I can think about what I'm supposed to be doing as CEO, looking at the future, looking at, you know, opportunities to build uh, and grow this company and keep it healthy, uh, you know, I think is, is really essential. And, and I think being in a group like this, from my direct observation as a as a peer in the group, makes the leader a better leader. It it the activity of seeking outside input and considering others' opinions at a very deep level. I I think you can't help but take that back into your business, and you show up slightly differently over time for the people that work for you and with you. Sure, and better yet, when you start modeling that behavior in your organization, your your staff's going to be doing the same thing, and it just makes the entire organization stronger. I mean, most of these, it, you know, when we get into part three in the book and we talk about the fact that 
you know, this is really the section where we deal with outcomes in many respects. And the first, of course, is that all of this starts with the CEO. It's not just that, you know, you go to work every day and as CEO, uh, you're there to help uh, fix everybody else. You know, <laughs> it's, there's an aspect of this that's, you know, working on you first and, uh, and then maybe taking a lot of what you've learned and be able to bring it, you know, to your team. The You've traveled. I've I followed you online on on your you know, and I've seen that you have traveled what appears to me to be almost around the world talking about this book. There's interest. It it appears from all parts of the globe for the power of peer advantage. So is it safe to say, Leo, that that um, that this is a global phenomenon, not just a North American phenomenon? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we looked at uh, Edward Hall's work where he talks a lot about culture and he kind of looks at the world on a, on a scale in terms of what are high-context versus low-context cultures. Lower-context cultures might be Britain, Scandinavia, and even the U.S., you know, uh, kind of fits in that lower context, you know. Um, and in the higher-context cultures would be like, you know, um, you know, different parts of Asia, the Middle East, uh and with the difference being is that in a high-context culture, uh, because everything is so culturally embedded in the system, it's, it's very, there's very little explanation that has to take place on just about anything. You are literally speaking your own language. Imagine being in a, in a fraternity or in a special club or whatever where you just have your own way of seeing the world, and the context is very high. So for the outsider to come in and fit within that, it becomes more difficult. In the lower context culture, it's actually just the opposite. Across all of these cultures, peer influence is important. And in fact, it is even greater in higher context cultures than in the lower context cultures like uh, Western Europe and, and the United States. So it, it is most certainly a global uh, phenomenon. Our peers matter. We care. Um, you know what they think as much as we all you know pride ourselves as individuals, we also have a great sense of of belonging uh, as well, and it exists in every corner of the globe so i I love to have book authors on the radio program. It gives me a chance to read their work also to learn directly from them and ask questions in hopes that the audience are the kind of questions that the audience would be interested in hearing the answers to you've you've done an amazing job in writing this book i I say that not only because I'm in the field and I'm a believer and practitioner of what you speak about in this book but because i I believe any CEOs running a business that's listening to this program would benefit from spending the time. It's a very approachable book, well-written. If someone wants to buy a copy, and I highly endorse that, how do they buy it? Sure. Go to Amazon.com, go to Barnes & Noble, go to IndieBound, and go to iBooks, wherever you typically like to buy your books. And, yes, The Power of Peers uh, will be available for you there. We'd love to have you have a look. I can't wait till you write your next book, Leo. Well, thank you very much, and it's been a pleasure being on the show today, too. Thank you for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass community. Con conti please keep contributing what you know and what you're researching and finding to the greater good of, the, of this industry. I appreciate your support. Well, thank you for doing the same. Thank so you. I appreciate that. Have a All good right. day. You too. All
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to end this segment of Critical Mass Radio Show. I need to thank our producer, Paul Roberts, our other producer, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. We have a whole team here putting the Critical Mass Radio Show podcast together. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about our radio show and CEO peer groups that I chair, uh, visit my company's website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. As a programming note, I am going to be taking a couple weeks vacation. But do not worry, we're still going to do the show. Paul Roberts will be my very capable guest host. He's hosted many a show over the years. We have a great lineup of guests, and I look forward to being back on Mike after a couple weeks of vacation. Until then, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 